the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Uh, this is the fourth installment in a series called Finding Your Rhythm. And as, as we've said every single time, uh, there's two goals that we have for this. One is that we once more revisit the spiritual disciplines. They're kind of like spiritual power tools that God gives us. They're the things that actually get the job done. Uh, we're trying to figure out how do we work those into the daily, weekly, monthly, yearly rhythms of our lives because they're so powerful we just dare not do that. The second thing that we're doing is trying to figure out how, how does each one of us fit into the big picture? How does each one of us find the part that God has given us to play? Because I promise you, every single one of you has a part to play, a vital part to play in the kingdom of God. Every single one of you has a, an instrument, a vocal part, something in the band that is the kingdom of God. And th- this idea of following God, of being his disciple, of constantly pursuing him, it's a journey of self-discovery. You, you find out who he created you to be, but it's even more than that, it's a journey of transformation as we find out who he created us to eventually be where all of us look a lot more like Jesus than we started out. And so it's an exciting journey that we're on, and that's where we're at. As with all the other ones in this series, we're using music as a metaphor. It just works really well, especially for those of us who are musicians. One of the places for me that's hardest to go as a musician is the studio. I I, I just, I don't know what it is, but I, I just panic. I just don't like the studio. Every single time I get to record, I think I'm going to love it. I think it's going to be so fun. Finally going to get some stuff recorded, have something to sell or give away. And it's going to have a permanent record of the music that I've created. And I get in there, I'm just like, this is it. And, and I hear the playback and I go, that's what I sound like? That's it? That's it? That's as good as this song is going to get? This is my best? And, and there's just it's something, it's really humbling. And all of my projects so far have always been independent. I've had some wonderfully talented people that have helped me with them. But I've never really had the like professional experience where you go and, and a record company chooses the studio and chooses a producer for you. From what I hear, that's even more humbling. Because they bring in somebody who's a producer and says, oh no, this song needs to sound like this. That song's just not any good at all. That's not going on the record. And and, and talk about humbling and scary. But the thing is, they bring in these people because they know what they're doing. One of my favorite producers is Steve Taylor. Anybody heard of Steve Taylor? That's what I thought. (laughs) But have you heard of the Newsboys? The news, nobody had heard of the Newsboys until Steve Taylor started producing them. And his, their first several big albums, he wrote or co-wrote almost all the albums, arranged them, helped them become the Newsboys. Have you ever heard of Sixpence Done the Richer? That's what I thought. A couple of you, a couple of you, but have you heard the song, Kiss Me Out in the Milky Twilight? You ever heard that one? Somewhere at Walmart or somewhere? That, <laughs> That's a sixpence none the richer song that Steve Taylor produced. It became a huge hit all over everywhere, not just on Christian radio, but everywhere. That's the power of a really good producer. They pull something out of you that you didn't even know you had. Another thing they do to you when they go into a studio is they give you a professional songwriter. Uh, you may, how many know who Diane Warren is? That's what I thought. 
But let me tell you, it, almost every hit that you know from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s were written by Diane Warren. Not every single one, but a surprising, shocking amount. She and Lionel Richie are tied with writing more number one hits than anybody else in the history of ever. And she's got so, almost countless top 10, top 40 hits. Here, here's one example of how good she is. Have you ever heard the song, I don't want to miss a thing? Have you ever heard that little, okay? So that was a massive hit for Aerosmith. And then a guy named Mark Chestnut turned around and had a massive hit on country radio with it. It's just a good song. Sometimes it's the person is one of those just incredibly talented people like Ed Sheeran. Who's heard of Ed Sheeran? Okay, this isn't all going to be about music trivia today. I just I, I want you to see how this works. More people know Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran's good as a producer, as a songwriter, as, as a, a performer. He's just good at everything. But he has a trusted group of people that he plays all his songs for every project. And he trusts them, and he lets them pick out which ones are going to be the singles. Usually he disagrees with them, but they make him a lot of money because they're usually right. And the whole point of all of this is this is how this works. We do our best work when we work together and when somebody is speaking into us. We do our best work when somebody else is calling something out of us that we didn't even know was there. When somebody who knows more than we do about something that we thought we knew a lot about is challenging us and pulling something else out of us that we didn't even know was there. And that is how God has designed the church. That's how he's designed groups or families. That's how he's designed so many different things. And as we keep following him, it's so important that we keep learning and growing. Let's keep saying that. This is, let's make this as a statement. This is who we are. Ready? Here we go. We keep learning and growing. I'm going to actually read this because I chose these words very carefully. I want to make sure you hear it. Achieving our own full potential always requires help from others who know more than we do and challenge us to keep maturing and improving. That's why we study the Bible. It's not, none of these are ever a list that we have to check off. God doesn't tell us to study his word because he just thinks we're bored and we need one more thing to do or that it's just a, a fun thing or whatever else. We do it because we've got to learn the truth. We've got to saturate ourselves with what's real. We've got to make sure that it's embedded in our heart, in our soul, in our mind so that we can use our full strength to serve him. 2 Timothy 2.15, when I was a kid, I memorized it in the King James, and it was study to shoe thyself approved. I thought it meant put on shoes until I saw it was spelled differently. But then, then I, I learned in Greek studies that the word study, translate study, actually is, this is a better translation. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. The phrase, the word there, spudaza, what it really means is do your best or do whatever it takes but notice what you're doing your best to do. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. We've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to get there. What does that require? Study. Are you with me? 
That's why that was a good translation too. The word doesn't actually mean study, but the study is embedded in there. You can't separate those two ideas in that context. Back in the Old Testament, Ezra was known for taking the people back out of exile and getting back to Jerusalem, starting to rebuild the wall, rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. In Ezra 7, it says, Ezra arrived in Jerusalem. It tells us exactly when, gives us all the dates, all the details, all the names. But look at the reasons. This is why he was able to do that. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem for the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. And there's a reason for that. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study in the observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. God blesses us most when we actually start with embedding ourselves in him and in his will. When we recognize his voice, not just because we hear voices in our head, but because we study his word so much, we just know the kind of things he says. He does that. Doesn't this sound a whole lot to like some of the passages we've looked at recently as well? Like Acts chapter 2, it said the early church devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching was walking them through all the scriptures they had to that point, and then adding into that everything Jesus had said and done, and then trying to apply that to life. You know what that looks like today? This right here. In any kind of Bible study you do on your own, in any Bible study you do in a growth group of any kind, a Sunday school class, uh, Sunday afternoons, and whenever, whatever time, that's what that looks like. It looks like the Great Commission. Where Jesus said not only to make disciples and baptize them, but to teach them to obey everything that he'd ever commanded. How do you even know what he commanded unless you have to study? It's not legalistic. It's a, to, to ask each other, to remind each other, to study the Bible together, to commit to doing this kind of stuff in smaller group Bible studies and alone Bible studies. It's not a legalistic thing. This is how we learn. This is how we grow. We can't possibly know this stuff unless we get it put into us. That's, that's why we do this. Paul spent his whole life studying. We learned from several passages. I put them in the sermon outline Bible study that you all have if you want to go back and look at those later. But he talks about his own story a couple of times. And we know that he was what he called himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, which meant that he had studied the Old Testament a lot. Not only that, he said he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He worked under Gamaliel, one of the most respected ones. These people studied it word for word. He probably had the majority of the Old Testament memorized or practically memorized. He just knew it, absolutely knew it. And yet, what happened was, when he met Jesus, he realized he'd been wrong about so many different things. But what God was able to do because that study was in him, listen on this, this is so cool. Because that was already in him, Paul was able to use his ability to study and everything that he'd learned up to that point. His ability to reason, his ability to write, his ability to teach. He was able to leverage all of that and help people realize how the Old Testament and the New Testament fit together. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And he was able to tie it all together because not only did he have the Holy Spirit helping him, but he had a lifetime of study. And the Holy Spirit could just pull that right out of his heart and out of his mind. It was already in there. Is this making sense? 
It's a gift. To study is a gift. We, I don't know how you like to study. I don't know if some of you just hate to study. But let me encourage you a little bit. If you like to read it all, if you like to study it all, the Bible is so fine to study. And this is, There's never been a time where it's been easier. We not only have printed Bibles, but we have digital Bibles and apps, some of which have um, embedded in them just little two-day Bible studies, three-day Bible studies, five-day Bible studies, one-year Bible studies, studies on themes, studies walking you through a, back, a passage or through the whole Bible. It, it's, it's everywhere. If you haven't already taken advantage of it, Morrison Hill provides a free subscription for each of you to Right Now Media. Just go to our website. You'll find how to get in there. Uh, that, it's like a Netflix for Bible studies, uh, online Bible studies. It's there. Uh, if you're not a reader, if you don't like it, these days you can listen to the Bible. There's several books that have been dramatized and you can watch them. Matthew, John, and Acts are three that come to mind that I've watched several times. You're watching it being acted out. Sometimes the little numbers are clicking off in the corner, but it's, it's like a movie. But it's the Bible word for word. You can get this in your brain somehow. It can happen. No matter what kind of a learner you are, you can do this. But we've got to, listen, we've got to keep learning and growing. Even if you, like Paul, have studied the Bible your whole life, none of us know everything we know. There's always somebody who knows more about something. There's always one more way that somebody can call something out of us that wouldn't have come out if they weren't there in the room. We've got to keep studying. Here we go. Here's the second thing. We've got to commit and to stay curious. Let's say this together. We commit and stay curious. Now, those phrases might not normally roll off your tongue when you're thinking of the word meditation, but this is exactly where we're going next. Again, I'm going to read this word for word. I want to make sure this is as clear as possible. Nobody finds their rhythm without trial and error and persistence. The more we study and practice, the more we have to offer. But we never know all we need to know, and we never stop needing Meditation is about actually experiencing what we study. It's about living it out. It's about just letting it percolate in our souls. Let it, let it influence the choices we make. It's about actually experiencing it. Paul, who talked about his lifetime of study and used it in such a powerful way. Listen to what he says in Philippians 3. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. Meditation is where you don't just learn facts about Jesus, you actually get to know Jesus. See, when we hear the word meditation in English, I think a lot of us tend to think of the Eastern religion version of meditation, which is, you know, the little Spider-Man hands and sitting on a mountain kind of thing. Okay, I'm not trying to make fun. I'm just saying that's the image I get in my, hand, in my head. I hear meditation. I see the old guy on the mountain. Okay? That's not what it is. We're not trying to clear our minds. The idea of Christian meditation, biblical meditation, is focusing on what is true. It's not clearing your mind. It's absolutely just submersing yourself in the truth, in what is real. Actually experiencing it, knowing it. And knowing Jesus himself. Paul goes on. 
I consider them garbage. Everything else that would have been a great thing before knowing Jesus. I consider them a garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power, to experience the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him. There's that transformation idea again. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. How do we do that? Well, obviously it starts with study, but it goes deeper. It's it's where we actually allow it to become part of us. Joshua said, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. I believe one of the most powerful forms of meditation there is is simply doing the thing. If it says we're supposed to be kind, you find a way to be kind to someone. If it says you're supposed to pray, you pray. Are you with me? That's one of the most powerful ways to meditate is to actually just do what it says. But another thing is to just really focus on specific truth. Just intentionally embed it. That's why the Glow Kids right now, if you've got kids in fifth grade or younger, you should get something that looks like this today from Emmeline. This is like the prototype. I think they cut all the little cards out. But it'll, it's a daily program that will walk you and your family through Advent. And it's, it's not because we legalistically require anybody to do Advent. It's because this is a chance for you and your kids to every single day focus on the scriptures together. Create a habit or, or, or just keep that habit you already have embedded in your family. And as you approach Christmas, to every single day be remembering Jesus himself. If you're, you've got kids in sixth grade or older, the Hill is working on uh, a series about the Sabbath and also a series using the ideas from the movie Soul. And all of them, all of them are helping them to meditate, helping them to put into practice these deep ideas, helping them to actually apply these, try out some of the spiritual disciplines, figure out how they work. Again, not as a legalistic thing, but because this is how it works. Just studying is not enough. You, you, you do it. You, you just immerse yourself in it. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way with sinners, or take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This is not a get-rich thing. Don't misunderstand that. What I'm saying is, God is guiding and blessing them. That idea of being planted by a river, if you're a tree, there's a constant connection to God. It's like how your GPS works. Yeah, how many like are thankful for GPS? Amen. Here we go. I love GPS because it's, it, it, it's not just having to get out a map. Remember those days? Anybody old enough to remember getting out? Where are we? You always know exactly where you are because it's in constant contact with 
the satellites and stuff. But the second you lose signal, you're like, oh no, right? Well, this is what it is. It's saying that when we walk in the, with the wicked, we walk in places where we're disconnected from God. We don't, we, it's like we lost that signal. When we meditate, when we focus, when we stay in sync with God intentionally, we're always in communication with him. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So the question is not, should you focus? Should you study? But what helps you stay fully committed? What helps you focus on what's most important? Psalm 139 is a wonderful psalm about how God is everywhere and he already knows everything and yet at the beginning and the end David invites him even deeper into his heart again this is what study and meditation does God already knows you he already he already knows you well but when you invite him in you get further and faster Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 13 is amazing passage the whole thing about growth and how we do it it ends with this no discipline Seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. There's two kinds of discipline throughout the scripture. This passage, it spends a lot of time actually talking about the discipline where God actually punishes you if you get it wrong or rewards you sometimes if you get it right. But this part at the end is really talking, if you see that, it's about the discipline in the sense of you yourself make sure you get certain things done. And I'd like to say again, if you've never tried journaling, you should try it. It's not in the Bible, but it's incredibly effective. It's not a female thing. We had a bunch of women do it lately, but it's it's not a female thing. It's for everybody. But maybe you just use a bookmark and you put it, or a highlighter, and you come back to certain passages. If you don't like to write, there's a thing on your phone called a voice memo. You just write, do that. Post-it notes. Just write one or two words. Stick them up. Sharpie. Some of the moms are going to hate me for this. But get a Sharpie. Just write it on your arm. You're going to look down and go, what in the world? Oh, yeah. But... Do whatever it takes that it stays with you. And we stay curious. One of my favorite things about studios, it's probably the only thing I really, really like about it, honestly, is every time I walk in, I get a little bit curious because I see all these instruments. I go, oh, man, there's a reason there's so many guitars. There's a reason the mics are just like that on those drums. There's a re I wonder what sounds is in that keyboard. That's a different keyboard than mine. It's But there's so much, brothers and sisters, there's so much in God's word, so much in life that there's no way that we've experienced or understood or known yet, no matter how long you've followed him. I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you don't know anything. You know, many of you know way more than I'll ever know. I'm just saying there's no way any of us know it all. We've got to stay curious. We've got to keep seeking for what else is out there. And we've got to be willing to experience it all in the moment. Paul writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If that right there doesn't make you curious, I don't know what will. God is promising that when we focus on him, when we submit ourselves to him and his will, there's going to be a peace. There's going to be something that transcends anything else we can understand. We're never going to be able. That's part of the blessing is that we'll never totally understand it. It's too big. It's too great. Would you actually read this next part with me? Let's read this part out loud. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Reading God's word and meditating on it and actually doing it, that's kind of like the tempo and the key of this song. If you've, have you ever been to an orchestra performance? Anybody ever been to an orchestra? Okay, I love that. I think it's beautiful. I think it's amazing when you get that many super talented musicians all working together and it's just, it's just waves of beauty. It's amazing. But you know what one of the worst sounds in the whole world is? When they're all tuning up at the beginning. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, that is painful. That's just not cool at all. And it's the same people and the same instruments and everything, but they're not in the same key and they're not working together and they're not listening to the same director and it's just painful. It's worse than the beauty that they create when they get going, right? And that, that's, that's why we have to keep submitting ourselves to God and to each other. Let's keep, let's say that out loud together. We keep submitting. I'm going to read this one more time just to make sure. I'm reading it straight off of your, your guide this time. I just really want to make sure we say this super clearly. We all do our best work together and under God's direction. We learn and grow and persist and discover new things best in real time as we go. This requires constant communication with God and with each other. And that's why we're going to wrap up today with prayer. All of this, the Bible study, the meditation, and the submitting to one another, it all requires prayer. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you've probably noticed this. If you've been around here a long time, you've probably heard me say this, but it's worth saying, I believe, every time we talk about prayer, whatever else Jesus' teachings about prayer Includes whatever other deep truths there are, it's we dare not miss that it's an act of submission. He says, When you pray, notice not if, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Listen, where is the focus of this model prayer? Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Who gets to choose how much bread we should have each day? Him. Even that is an act of submission. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. There's a responsibility and acknowledgement that he gets to choose what's right and what's wrong, not us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Even the requests are an act of submission. And this is the prayer we're supposed to pray all the time. Not so much, again, not in a legalistic way. We've got to recite it. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be there. It's not about that. It's about constantly, like the GPS thing, resyncing our souls with him. And when we're all doing that, remember the three circles? We're resyncing with each other at the exact same time. So the question is not, should you pray? But when and how do you really pray? When and how do you really connect with God? When and how do you make sure that you have time as the day goes by? Maybe one or two spots of the day where you just really focus on it. When and how do you make sure you connect with God? Here's the vision of um, how all these work together. Michelangelo, the amazing sculptor back in the day, he said that when he would make a sculpture the way he'd do it is he would look at a block and somehow he'd just see the image in there and he would just knock away everything besides that image my dad used to tell a joke all the time probably still does i just haven't heard it for a while but he says how do you make a, a sculpture of an elephant you just chip away everything that doesn't look like an elephant and, and that inspired a song that's actually on one of my albums, one of those independent ones made in the stressful environment of a studio. It's called Chipping Away. The lyric says, he's chipping away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. This isn't rocket science. To, but, but is this making sense? But one of my favorite moments ever in a studio was recording that song because I got to do a piano solo. And I'm, I'm not amazing on piano, but it was a pretty good solo. And the way it happened, the way that it happened was... We just had recorded and the producer, we had laid down all the other tracks. We had the drums and the bass and everything else. And then there's, it's a kind of a country gospel kind of a group. And he was like, can you play that kind of honky-tonk kind of piano? I was like, a little bit. He goes, let's just do it over and over and I'll tell you when you get it right. Okay. So he'd play that little part where the solo goes and I'd jam. He goes, let's do that again. And do it again. He goes, let's do it again. After a while, I just got lost in it. And I'm just... Bing, 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 bing. Woo! Let's do it again. Okay. But, but instead of getting stressed, I just got lost in it. And after a while, there was just one take where it was just like, here we go. This is what I've been hearing in my head all the time. My fingers actually did it. He goes, that was it. There it was. It wouldn't have happened without him leading me. It wouldn't have happened without me submitting to him. It wouldn't have happened. And if you hear it someday, you're not going to go, wow, how amazing. But it was amazing for me. Are you with me? It was the best I could do. And I got there by submitting to him and his wisdom and by trying to follow that lead and by doing it over and over and failing and, and succeeding and, and doing it over and over again until we got it right. And brothers and sisters, that's the hope that we have here. That's why we have the spiritual disciplines. That's why we keep studying. That's why we keep meditating. That's why we keep praying. Because on the other side of all this, we actually become like Jesus. You've got to find your own rhythm. You've got to find the rhythm that Jesus wrote for you. 
You've got to find how that fits into the rhythm of everybody else. Make sure you're playing in the same key. Make sure you're playing in the same tempo as the rest of us, as we all submit to the direction of Jesus Christ. Whatever you need to do this morning to get a little closer, to sync up, would you do that? If it needs to be public, make it public. Come forward. We'll walk you through giving your life to Jesus, joining the church, whatever you need to do. You can just come forward and pray. We've got a team that'll come and pray with you. But let's all get one step closer to Jesus this morning as we stand and as we sing.